Brett CNC of Pick 6 Previews. Every Wednesday. And Brett, no particular order. Let's start with Mike Bobo, who has been elevated as the offensive coordinator at Georgia. Former offensive coordinator there, but on the staff as an analyst, and now he's back in that role. Yeah, good morning, Bill. Thanks for having me on. And, um, yeah, big news from Georgia. Uh, of course, that's the domino effect of Todd Monken getting um, hired up at the NFL level uh, for the Ravens, So, and well-deserved there. But, yeah, with Mike Bobo, he's a pretty experienced SEC coordinator and coach. Um, Georgia, I think South Carolina some years, and back to Georgia. So, um, And then, yeah, being an analyst under Monken, I think he's – I'm going to try and continue what worked, and you'd be you'd be crazy not to because uh, the, bl- the blueprint is already there, and I think they'll, they'll try and continue it. Notre Dame bringing in Andy Ludwig, wined him, dined him, courted him, and then the administration won't pay the buyout. Your thoughts there? Yeah, that's incredible to me that the reason was um, a money deal, and we're talking about Notre Dame. This isn't – um, you know, a non-AQ school or an FCS school. I mean, it's Notre Dame. You can't come up with money to, to go get your guy. That's crazy. Um, so, yeah, I was shocked that that was the reason. I wasn't shocked that Andy Ludwig was interviewed. Um, I cover Utah pretty closely. I write uh, weekly previews for them on uh, KSL.com. And, um, yeah, he's a, a genius offensive coordinator. The way he gets uh, the tight ends involved, um, you know, on end arounds, on screens, on – it's just it's it's very unique the way he calls the game and and it's worked. I mean Utah's back-to-back conference champs. They do so without the five-star um, you know pedigree that you see at other conference champions. Um, so yeah, he was definitely deserving of a of a bigger job like that. Not to say that Utah's not a big job, but Notre Dame is Notre Dame. Um, so uh, I was I wasn't surprised he got interviewed. I was shocked that the reason why they couldn't sign him was a money deal. That's just crazy. A lot of conversation here on the show about the spring coming up. And Josh, formerly of London, Ohio, now in Picktown, Pickerington, wants to know your thoughts on the quarterback situation coming up this spring. Devin Brown or Kyle McCord, Marvin Harrison's high school teammate, Kyle McCord from Philadelphia up there, not far from you, but Devin Brown, that that, that twosome, they're going to fight it out this spring. Yeah, that sounds like the battle. Um, you know, Kyle McCord, he's uh, from St. Joe's Prep here in Pennsylvania. He was, I think, a five-star or at least a high four-star coming out, um, was battling C.J. Stroud and, and eventually lost to Stroud for that starting spot a couple years back. Uh, is certainly capable. Um, but I'll be honest, I haven't gotten over to the Big Ten yet for my deeper research. I don't want to give out any bad info. Um, I just know a surface level that those are the two names. Um, I know McCord's background, and, um, and I know that Ohio State will be a, you know, a destination spot for transfer quarterbacks too. Um, you know, this next cycle, this next wave of transfers, uh, you'll you'll see more of that quarterback carousel. So, uh, if neither one steps up and grabs it, uh, they'll be the top destination for another transfer quarterback to to throw their hat into the mix. But. Uh, no, no more details on that yet. Um, I'll, I'll get, I'll come back to Ohio State. Trust me. Also, when you talk about transitioning quarterbacks, let's just take a wide swath of the last 20 years. They've probably done it year after year. When it's time for the next guy, they've done it at about as high a level as you can do it. 
Yeah, I mean, just uh, start from the trestle era with Craig Krenzel. Um, you know, after him, uh, I think it was then Troy Smith was up. Um, then, uh, you know, Todd Beckman, he might have been the, the yes. worst starter of them all, but he got yeah. them to the national title in 2007 uh, for LS, uh, against LSU. Uh, and then, of course, they won the huge mega recruiting battle for Terrell Pryor, uh, stealing him out of Jeanette, Pennsylvania, uh, over Penn State. And Pryor was a starter for a few years. Um, you know, and then the, even um, the Urban Meyer years, you had Braxton Miller, JT Barrett. Even when injuries struck, Cardell Jones came in and won a national title. Um, you know, then JT Barrett came back, had a long tenure. Um, and then it's just been NFL guys uh, time after time, Justin Fields uh, and then C.J. Stroud. Just when you thought that it was over, when Justin Fields went pro and, and you thought, wow, who who the heck is going to lead this program forward? C.J. Stroud rises up and, and – uh, he was a Heisman candidate twice, or could have been twice, definitely last year, um, but uh, another NFL guy. So right when you think that it's over for Ohio State's quarterback lineage, I'm sure they're going to find and develop a guy. They have five stars there, and um, they'll be fine. Brett Cianci of Pick 6 Previews with us every Wednesday to talk some college football. Alabama. A lot of transitions, right? New coordinators, Ty Simpson, probably the quarterback, even though that'll happen this spring. They'll they'll fight that out this spring. What do you see out of them? Yeah, it's like the old days where Alabama had to change their coordinator every year because they were getting promoted up to, to head coaching spots or, or bigger roles elsewhere. So uh, if anyone's used to this, it's Nick Saban. Uh, he's been able to weather the storm of tons of coordinator changes. Um, in fact, they go through so many that uh, the one graphic on my in my preview book that shows coordinator trends and coordinator grades, I had to enlarge the Alabama one because there's so much uh, so much changeover over there. So, uh, got like 20 names that listed in that a coordinator section. Um, he knows how to do that, and I'm sure they won't miss a step, um, especially with all the talent they have on their roster. Again, the number one recruiting class. Again, the number one three-year and five-year average recruiting. Um, transfer portal is another modern lever of the game that Saban has embraced and now is just crushing. So um, they're going to be fine. And uh, we might not know some of the star players yet, but you will by October, and they'll be great in the playoff hunt again. Do you think they're going to be good enough to threaten Georgia? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Georgia's definitely uh, number one coming into the season. They've proved that. Um, right there behind uh, Alabama again for recruiting. It's usually 1A, 1B. I know I say Bama number one, but Georgia's always right there number two with the same caliber of athletes coming in. Um, Georgia's the favorite, but uh, if anyone over there has the, the raw firepower to challenge a roster like that, it's it's Alabama. So uh, until proven otherwise, that's your, your king of the East is Georgia, and your king of the West is it still has to be Alabama. I know that LSU took the crown this year. Incredible run by Brian Kelly in his first year. Um, but if I had to pick right now without any deeper dive of research, I think it's just the proven product is, is Alabama out of that division. Josh in Picktown, Ohio, says, guys, Joe Bowserman was the worst starting quarterback for Ohio State. Uh, during that how could I forget Joey B? Yeah. Uh, it was that 2011 year, that changeover year um, between Trestle and Meyer. I remember that Nebraska game, he was throwing them, I think he threw like five picks. Uh, he was throwing them into the stands. Um, that was right when uh, internet jokes were getting popular, like uh, internet memes, and Nebraska fans uh, put up his uh, passing chart, and it was just dots all throughout the, the upper deck stadium and, like, the lower-level stadium um, with nothing was completed on the field. So, yeah, Joey B., that's a, that's a good reference there. I forgot him. 
John in Los Angeles. Hey, guys, word in South Bend is Jack Swarbrick, the AD, is the real culprit here, which is surprising, says a board of trust member offered to pay the buyout, and he turned it down. He was also against it from the start, just saying, well, here's what I don't understand. If somebody, Swarbrick or administration, whoever is the culprit here, was against it from the beginning, why would you encourage Marcus Freeman or why would you have Freeman bring him in to take a look, go to the hockey game, be on Twitter, well-known trip to take the job if you're not going to do what it takes? Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's the crazy part. Um, if they were going to shoot that down, they should have done it at the beginning. Um, they, then they went through the process. It turns out Freeman and, and staff and, and a lot of the administration and boosters love the guy, and it, that makes it a harder decision to kill it then. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. Money, the money part of Notre Dame has always been a little bit hidden and, and, uh, and secretive just because it's a private school and um, they don't release stuff like that. They don't release salaries, and it's just a little bit different, and, and you're seeing it come here, uh, you know, come to fruition here. Well, and I don't think Sam Hartman's going anywhere, but he'd probably like to know who's my guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, and just another big win for Utah this offseason. They've had a lot of their star players, especially the offensive guys, decide to come back uh, for another year. It just sounds crazy that we'll have Cam Rising again at quarterback there. And um, Brant Keithy, I believe, is coming back, uh, All-American tight end a few years back, who suffered a big injury. And you just think these guys have been in college for so long, and that's a good thing. That's that's very experienced players. Uh, they're motivated over there in that program. And, um, yeah, if they could secure Andy Ludwig back after losing him to a blue blood, I mean, that that's a huge win there. So they're just stacking wins at Utah right now. Mike the Mad Dog down in Noonan, Georgia, says Georgia fans are going back and forth on this Bobo topic, but I'm going to choose to trust Kirby, who just won back-to-back national championships. Yeah, exactly. I think you you got to trust your guy there. Um, and, and and he was part of the program, I think, this year. It might have been two years, definitely this year, though. Um, so, you know, he's learned from, if, if you want to call it, some mistakes he had at his prior stint um, or just maybe not mistakes, but it's just modernized to where they are now. I think he's going to continue at work, like I said at the top. You'd be crazy not to. You saw – how elite this offense became. In 2021, it was kind of overshadowed by the defense, which was generational, one of the best we've seen in 20 years. Uh, but make no mistake that this 2022 season, it was balanced, if not the, the offense was, uh, was so elite. So um, they'll try and continue that. They have a big quarterback battle to deal with too. So, um, but elsewhere, the roster is just so loaded. It's, it's you know, got to trust Kirby Smart there. Have we talked not new news yet? you and I, about the Texas and Oklahoma news coming a year early? I don't think we covered it. Um, yeah, that was um, – you know, it's weird because a few days before that news dropped, all the news was about how, okay, it's 2025, they couldn't make the deal, uh, here's all these sources, sources, and then uh, 48 hours later, oh, actually, no, all that stuff was wrong. It's, uh, it is happening 2024. So this story has been yo-yoing back and forth, and it looks like now it will be – uh, 2023. This upcoming year will be the final year in the Big 12 uh, for the two um, the two powerhouses, Oklahoma and Texas. So, yeah, shocking news. Um, but it almost makes it more of a clean break. Where okay, this is kind of the last year of the old game, 2023, where you have the 14 playoff, 
You have the powerhouses in their actual geographic footprint with Oklahoma, Texas, and with USC out in Pac-12. Then with 2024, it all changes. I mean, now you have those two in the SEC. You have USC flying to Rutgers on, a, on an average Saturday. Um, you have a 12-team expanded mega bracket. So it's almost, it's almost like a good clean break that this upcoming year is the last one of the, of the sport that we know. Yeah, big transition after 23 with Big Ten expansion, SEC expansion, expansion of the playoffs, and a Wild West name, image, likeness, which is not getting policed at all, freebie transfers. Brett, you're younger than me, but this is a brand new world, man. Yeah, it really is. And, um, you know, I've been uh, a big defender of the four-team playoff, and I think the root of that really is when you when you love something as much as we love this college football, it's uh, you don't want it to change. You fear that when they change it, it become could become worse or become tampered with. So I think that's just the instinct is, hey, we really love this thing. Let's keep it how it is. So uh, it, it may improve the game. Maybe we turn out a couple years from now we're talking and we're loving this 12-team bracket. Um, I mean, right now I don't see that the case, but hopefully that's true um, because I love college football more than I'm tied to a certain postseason bracket. So, you know, hopefully it works out great. Um, I've seen it go from the, the BCS two-team up to four, and that, that didn't ruin anything really. Uh, might, might have concentrated some power at some powerhouse programs. but um, So hopefully this doesn't shatter anything. But, yeah, I've been a big defender of the old way of doing things, the four-team, um, the regionality of the sport that seems to be lost every year. So we'll see. But um, hoping it doesn't change things too much. Noel fan in the 863 down in Florida. He's a Florida State fan, but he says, what about what Mario has done down at Miami with his coordinators? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, both are out. You know, this time last year we were praising uh, both the coordinator hires. It was two Broyles Award winners with Kevin Steele and Josh Gaddis. Um, I just I, – I don't think anybody, even Miami's biggest rival fans, could have predicted what happened last year on the field. So uh, kind of a fresh start for Miami. Um, you know, hopefully a, a second-year head coach bonus, get some of these kids more focused into the program a second year. You see this everywhere um, where the, the guy's second year at a program, they're, they're more cohesive, they're more focused, and um, start to take on an, a, a true program identity. So we'll see. Yeah, that's huge news out of Miami. The coordinator carousel is really hitting a lot later than, than the head coaching carousel, what we're used to. So I'm still catching up on coordinator hires, and we'll be uh, giving deeper dives into all of these coming up. Brett, tell everybody how they can get your content here during the non-playing portion of the season. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, at Pick 6 Previews on Twitter, pick6previews.com in July for the annual season preview book. But until then, yeah, it's just uh, Twitter each day. I'm starting my research, working on the graphics, uh, lining up some head coach calls. So excited to dig into this this year. It's a ton of research, but uh, a lot of fun. All right, man. See you next week. All right, see you, Bill. Thanks. Brett Ciancia, Pick 6 previews.